Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been, yeah, this is the Black Country Blokes, showing the fact about everything that is mental health, disability and life in general. It with me, Kev Dillon, and my partner in crime, Lee Cadman. And today we're joined by Hilary. Thank you, Hilary, for coming on. Thank you for asking me. Now, what's the name of your organisation again? I forgot it already. <laughs> I work, I'm Hilary Sims and I'm the owner of Life Balance Counselling. And before we get into all the wonderful things she does, we're going to start with our gratitude list like we do every week. Because we get swamped down with, oh, well, it's me and life could always be better, but life could always be worse. Let's remind ourselves of the things that we're grateful for. Me this week, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, obviously, for my loved ones. I'm grateful for my support up here uh, with the different coaches. In fact, one of the coaches, Jay, he's going to Texas for eight weeks to ten weeks to go and uh, do law over there. So I'm really going to miss him. Become a big part of the Lions family. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for those who have around me. How about you, Lee? Mine's simple this week. I'm grateful for a cup of coffee. I've needed it this week just to, just to sit and relax and have a cup of coffee when it's been a, a crazy few few weeks to be honest let alone uh, let alone days so yeah i'm just grateful to be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee every now and again and hillary uh grateful for my family and grateful for this opportunity to come and uh, speak to you two gentlemen this evening really well it's great having people on like we like we're like both sides of the coin we like people who've been through the mill themselves we're like uh professionals and tell us what what you specialize in Okay, I specialise, I support anybody from the age of 12 and upwards, and I deal with anxiety, low self-esteem, depression, and bereavement. Now, from the age of 12, mental health's always been there, as we all know, it's always been there. But have you seen a massive influx of, like, young people? Yeah, with, and, and with young people, um, a lot is low self-esteem, mm. a lot is not believing in themselves, they think they're not good enough. Um, social media's got a lot to answer for because mm. they see things on social media and think they've got to behave in a certain way, got to be perfect, got to have these clothes, those clothes, the other clothes. And because of that, they see don't see themselves as good enough. And that I think that's really come out in the last two years. Really, really big style over um, lockdown. And young people really struggle to believe in themselves, which is really quite sad. I think low self-esteem is so difficult because... Most of growing up, as a teenager, let's call it a teenager, you are discovering yourselves, aren't you? I'm fortunate to admit a lot, this music gets my mates teeth. I'm, I'm fortunate to admit that I fancy this person, gets my mates. And, and how many things we've not done in case our peers don't like it. And as you get older, you really, you never see them people anyway, do you? And I wish I could, I, I could tell that to my younger self and younger people. Do it for you and not for everyone else. But that's the peer pressure, isn't it? It's that we've got to behave in this way. We've got to be behaving that way. We've, we've got to be accepted. We've mm. got to, we feel we've got to be part of a group. And it's about you as the young person learning to accept yourself for who we are. For me, I'm shorty. I'm only five foot tall. I'd love to be taller. 
that's never going to happen. So accepting that I'm short is part of me. I'm the one in the supermarket that has to say, can you reach the stuff off the top shelf, please? But I've accepted that that's me and you learn how to deal with it. And it's the same for young people. Accept who you are. Learn to love the person you are. Whoever you are, whatever you are, learn to love the person that you are. We don't all have to fit into a certain pigeonhole box. Oh, sorry. I often wonder, though, whether obviously there's, you, you see more young people, which in a sense is fantastic because at least they're, they're finding help. But do you think it's do you think that's the reason you see more people that people have more confidence to find help? Or do you think, look, so I think in, in when we were 12, I never even thought of mental health at all. I don't feel like I suffered from poor mental health at the time either. So is there something that's changed that more people are suffering or is it just more more people are now finding help? I think it's a bit of both, to be fair. Um, I know this is going out over social media tonight, so I don't really want to be saying social media is part of the issue. But I think for, we some, say all the time. <laughs> I think for, for young people, sadly, social media is is something to blame because they see uh into other people's lives and see what they've got and compared that they haven't got it so i think that sadly that has got something to do with it i do also think life is a lot different from what it used to be people are sat in front of screens people are on telephones a lot and i think years ago you, people used to go out in the morning be out all day climbing trees and whatever which they don't do anymore but i also think people are so much aware that there is help out there and if we do have issues there are people there that can support us yeah i think you're right there as well because we did we used to go out and play and, and there's nothing better than fresh air either and exercise whether you realize you're exercising or not you, you are aren't you if you're just down out and playing um and it's also i can imagine it's more of a lonely existence because okay you can connect with anyone around the world while you're sitting in your room playing your computer games but there's nothing like having someone sitting next to you or playing out with you yeah, definitely. I think being outside and as lockdown's shown us, we're not designed to be stuck at home mm. with the same people who we live on, under the same household with. We are social animals. We do need to get that out there and mix and we need to do it in person. I think lockdown's made that even more important to realise. Get out the house, put your phones down, put your tablets down, you know, go and meet the people in person. And do you think, I mean, like, tell my kids, I'm at McDonald's for a treat. People used to have the birthday parties at McDonald's. Now it's like you're having bad food on the go. You know, you're eating takeaways all the time. You're living on Red Bulls, Monsters, Fizzy Pops. I remember my mum used to buy a two-litre Fizzy Pop, and that would last just a week. Whereas you're seeing people, we could buy a can of pop for a pound, or we could buy six cans for a pound. So if you've bought more, you drink more. And do you think it's lack of exercise, lack of bad food, lack, um, increase of sugar, lack of mobility, uh, social media it's just it's a it's it's, it's like a bomb isn't it mm. it's a combination of all of it i suppose isn't it really and also from a parent's <sighs> perspective the pressure to provide for children and keep mm. hold of your job and people are, to be able to afford mortgages and whatever people are both parents are having to work full time mm. and everything so i'm not saying children are left to look after themselves but it's parents what's quick to eat for tea or i'll pick up a takeaway on the way home or we'll order something in or and once again lockdown's got people used to ordering food in because it was the easiest thing to do so i think it's, it is a combination of all sorts which is why getting out there getting that fresh air mixing with people and, and it's it, it's everything in moderation really and i think back 
when it was the TV, whether it was the four channels or Sky Television, whatever it was. But you could monitor what your children were watching. Now they've all got smart devices. You can say, you can't watch Harry Potter 5. Next thing you know, a mate at school is showing it to Never mind all the pornography and the graphic stuff or all the things that the internet, the dark side of the internet has. So it's, it must be, I'm dreading it when my daughter's a little bit older and her friends are showing her stuff because you know what frightens your child. You know what's going to give her nightmares or worry her. And when your friends are showing it, yeah, you bow down to peer pressure, don't you? But then it's mommy and daddy or the guardians who have to look after it at home. Yeah. But also, it's mummy and daddy and the guardians that are then told you're the evil ones because you won't let me watch it. Mm. So it then causes the um, problem. Well, my friends, my friends watch it. Why can't I watch it? So you're then seen as the evil parents, and that's not the case. You're just trying to protect your children. And the thing is, nowadays, there's so many channels and stuff. Is it all suitable for children no. all of the time prior to the watershed? Not necessarily. No. And it is very difficult, as you say, to monitor what the kids are actually watching. Do you, do you feel like we should be doing more at primary school level, do you think, with uh, children's mental health? Because we, we've said this before, whether it's a, a school counsellor who checks on the pupils, be it once a month, whatever, and then having like, mentors in place. Because I think if we could set the, the story right from the beginning, Kevin, why are you hitting people? Kevin, why are you crying? Kevin, why have you got those marks? And get them expressing their feelings at a young age instead of trying to fix them when they're grown-ups. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I think... It's a lot more accepted now and it is a lot more talked about. Um, I deal with, as I say, lots of people all different ages and I've got adults that are in their 50s and 60s that I deal with and it is their childhood memories and their childhood mm. issues that are causing them disturbance still now, 50 years later. Um, so I think if talking about your mental health and saying to kids it's okay to come and tell us what's going on and what's happening and we need to talk about it from primary school age, if that becomes the norm, that's great, but it's... Half the problem is, have the schools got the money to be able to fund the people they need to bring in to support the children? And sadly, that's where counselling and things misses out because it's the easiest thing to cut out of the money budget. Doesn't that drive you mad, though, when they keep saying, look, we haven't got the money for this? And you're thinking, it's funny when money can fall out the ceiling for some things and mental health hasn't been. And we, we had Mike Wood on here at local MP. And we, we said that, and Marco, didn't we? Saying like, uh, they built the, the hospital, the Nightingale Hospital that was never used, and they built this, built that, built this, but not one bed was put in Bullshit Fields. And the, the, everyone was talking about mental health, but and they're saying we've put a, a billion pounds into mental health, but it wasn't in the trenches. You know, it, it wasn't there helping people. It wasn't, if you found up saying, I'm going to complete suicide, come back in a fortnight. And I was thinking, ah, we've, we've got to sort it, we've got to. We've got it. We, this is the pandemic. We can stop, isn't it? Or at least make better. Mm. But if now, if you go to your GP for counselling, what's the waiting list? Six yeah. months, eight months, 12 months, whatever. You know, and there is loads of resources out there that they could, the NHS could tap into if they wanted. There's loads of private counsellors. Even if there was a deal done that two hours a week we give to the NHS on a reduced fee or something, yeah. even something like that, just to give these people access. And even if they could only access six sessions or something, mm. it would just give them a little bit of help. Sometimes all people need is that person just to come and offload to who's somebody who's not in their world, who's not related to them or not somebody's girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever, just needs somebody just to come and 
let it all go to doesn't matter doesn't matter whether we've actually fixed it sometimes it's just letting it go to giving it to a stranger i've heard that myself hillary um i went for counseling i think it was 2018 my daughter had had a really terrible time in in hospital which i won't bore everyone with again because i've been through a lot but i remember going to my doctors from there luckily the mental health nurse was there so i went straight down to the stairs the mental health nurse explained everything to her again and then um it was less than a couple of days later, I got another call to, and it was to see which type of counselling would be best suited to me. And just me being on that call and unburdening myself, I finished it and found I was 10 times mm. happier um, before the counselling had even started. And I think that is right, isn't it? You yeah. just, sometimes you just need someone to get everything off off your chest. Yeah. Too. And the thing is, even, even if it's not a trained person or whatever, you, if, like for you, with your part, your partner's going through the same thing with your daughter. I don't want to burden them with the thing, so I keep it all in. It goes in the pot with everything else, mixes round and gets mixed. Up. Who am I going to share it with? If I go to a complete stranger and just let it all go, oh, it's okay. It feels all right now. I can put it back in its little boxes and and manage it for another few weeks. Yeah, it, it is just about if you can find that person you can just sit with and just, you know. Let that, it all go. That used to be like the barman, the barber, yeah. the gym instructor, wasn't it? And every time you've all been there on holiday and you just, you're just there and you just waffle at someone, you've confessed all your sins because you know you're never going to see that person again. Yeah. And if he thinks you're bonkers, who cares? It doesn't matter. And, and if something's affecting you, you're not bonkers. Yeah. If we're in you, you, you've got to get rid of it. And it's sort of, once it's out there, well, I can either deal with it because I understand it. I've said it, so I've got to deal with it. Or it's just out there, I can let it go now. Because it's it gets mixed around in your head. It's like everything's in there like a washing machine and it's all going round, it's all mixed up. How do I know which bits to sort out first? Mm. Well, actually, if I can just get it out of my head, it will make a difference. And the thing I do with a lot of my clients is say, get a pen, get a piece of paper and write down what's going on in your head. I know it sounds stupid and they go, oh, well, I write some really weird things down. It doesn't matter. If it's going on in your head, put it on a piece of paper and we'll have a look at it. And we can see where it's coming from. And some things you'll, they'll look at the next day and go, what did I write that down for? Well, they cross it off because it doesn't bother them anymore. But it's got it out of their head. It's stopped their head being full of stuff. And once you put it on a piece of paper, you can you can reread it. You can go back at another time and look at it. And you can think, oh, that's not so important now. But when it's mixed with another thought or another feeling, it's too important. You know, but at least if you put it on a piece of paper, you can put it into priority of which way you deal with them. But it's actually out there then and gives you the chance to deal with it. Well, we've mentioned this before. We did an episode actually on uh, brain fog. And I very much get this where I've got that much going on in, in my head that I can't decipher <laughs> what to do first, what to, what to where I'm meant to be, where's what's going on, you know. Yeah. And, and for me, definitely sitting down and writing writing down on the piece of paper is fantastic because it does. It gets it out of your head. Mm. It gets it there. And then you can tick it off the list as you go or as you say if you yeah. wait till the next day and go well actually i don't even need to do that why am i worrying about that that's mm. rubbish i can't change that yeah and some it. things come up on the list quite regularly and then you go oh it's coming up a bit that's coming up a bit too often what does that actually mean you need to deal with that bit yeah but it, when it's all going around in your head we all just get so overwhelmed by it well it shuts me down i almost yeah. i've got that much to do that i'll sit and do nothing yeah. it's it's it's, crazy, easy, really. it's the easiest place because and also you get to the stage where you, when you've got that much you see it as a failure because you've not done any of it mm. so rather than failing let's just not do bother doing any of it but that's not when you've got a real messy house or 
that you're, you're shopping, you're doing it up, and you just go, where on earth do I start? Yeah. And then you think, I'll have a coffee. Yeah. I'll, uh, and then and you've, you've had six cups of coffee, and then you've got to do the washing up as well. <laughs> but, but it is, isn't it? And it's like, where, and if someone can go, all right then, let's move this table first. Yeah. And sometimes just getting someone to go, okay, let's make a pile over there, thank yeah. you. And then I've got something. And that's why I, I've got him, I've got brilliant friends I can talk to, but every so often, I'd go and see a professional just to go, yeah. all right, then, what switches have I got to turn off or turn off? Yeah. And let's just go back to basics. Yeah. Where we're not having a discussion. I I can speak so openly without being judged because they've heard it or similar yeah. things. About, and they can give me advice that they haven't got to be frightened of giving me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm there to learn because I'll be... It drives me mad when I'm doing my boxing lessons and they go, well, my dad's taught me how to do it this way. We'll get your dad to teach you. And I, I bet you have it in yours going, well, that yeah. ain't going to work for me. Go, well, Troy, if you're here, let's yeah. give it a go. Yeah. But it, but if, if they come and we talk about things and I give them, we talk about trying things differently, if the client doesn't want to try it, that's fine. That's not a problem. But they're not going to get, change is not going to happen. Things are not going to be done differently if you don't give it a go. And quite often with not giving it a go, it's that fear of, mm. fear of failure, fear of, you know, is this going to make any difference? And sometimes clients come and actually, do they actually want to change? They actually quite like being in that position. And sometimes think, it's comfortable even yeah. though it seems like an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. It's what you're used to, so it's comfortable to yeah. you, isn't it? Yeah, so actually getting that change, getting them, holding their hand and trying to get that change, very tiny little steps at one at a time. It's, it, you know, it's really important. But the week they come back and they've done something different and something's happened differently, Oh my god, it's amazing! <laughs> and we say like about like um, what can push you over the edge, like with bereavement or with depression. And it's um, well, I, was, oh, I shouldn't really moan, Lee, because I mean, you and your callous uh, situation. And you go, but you've got the right to feel that sad. If you love your hamster and that hamster dies, you've got the right to feel sad about that hamster. Haven't you? It hasn't yeah. got to be or losing your job or not getting a job or yeah. failing on a test. You have got the right to feel upset, haven't you? Yeah, everybody goes, oh, there's always worse people off than me. Well, yeah, there is, of course there is. But if it's causing you disturbance, if it's making you feel upset or sad, it's an issue for you. And as mm. you say, it doesn't matter what it is, what the bereavement's about or whatever, it's important to you. So it, it has to be dealt with. You know, and if you don't deal with it, you try shoving it in a box with everything else, eventually the lid on that box will come up and uh, bite you on the bum when you're least expecting it. And that is what happens, is sometimes... Mm. On the outward looking in, you're more right, you've dealt with it, but everything is built up, built, and then you end up losing your cool, mm. and you look, well, where's that come from? Why, why, why have you had to go to him, or why have you? Yeah. But really, you're at that absolute point where you're going to explode. Mm. Bottle of pop's a good, good example, because mm. you've always got the bit in the bottom. You've always mm. got your normal everyday stuff going on. Mm. Then you've got all the other stuff you're stuffing on the top. Then you've got about that much that much space at the top of the bottle, mm. and then you're trying to deal with everyday life. Well, that much space in the top of the bottle doesn't allow you to deal with everyday life, and eventually you squeeze it, and it it all goes everywhere. I mean, like with that, I mean, like before the pandemic, life is stressful anyway. Yeah, life's stressful, and then we had the the end of the world. <laughs> it, it, it was the plague, and if you, you, people are dropping down in uh, Italy and they're dying in the streets, and morgues are too full. If you go, oh my goodness. It, what should I do? I pull my kids out of school. Then you have all that. And I can't see my mom. And then if I go away, I'm going to bring it in. So we had all that fear. 
And then we've caught in lockdown, at lockdown, in lockdown, at lockdown. And now we're out of lockdown. So we had the stress before the lockdown, the stress of the end of the world, yeah. and then coming back into the real world. And I, I, me and most people out there, we haven't felt like we've had that release. Like we got on going on holiday in a few weeks, but even like when you've booked something to look forward to, we've had three years of thinking, well, everybody get cancelled. Mm. for can't go. Yeah. And it's been hard to just look forward to things, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, is it actually, are these things actually going to happen? You know, as you say, booked a holiday. How many holidays have been cancelled in the interim? Mm. Am I actually going to get there? The stack of paperwork that you need to be able to get on the plane for everybody to prove you've had this test, that test and everything. Yeah. yeah. Everybody forget to go over there. Yeah. Everybody can't get back. Everybody, yeah. And we're, we're catastrophizing everything. Yeah. But our poor brains don't realise that has, that isn't real. But we've had 400 incidences before we've yeah. left the house. Yeah. I mean, how many people are going on holiday this year, going to theatres and pop concerts and that that are two years old yeah. that have probably been cancelled on three other occasions and whatever and it's well oh i'm supposed to be going to so-and-so on saturday but will it really be on will it be cancelled mm. am i allowed to go what will it be like when i get there there's all those questions that before we didn't have we now have all those going through our head before we go anywhere or do anything and i think even like when it first started happening, you start driving past parks and you see like four people again you're allowed to do that Mm-hmm. And then when it, we went to boxing shows and there's a lot of people in there and you're thinking, I don't know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. And then I'm starting to get back to getting used to the old world, yeah. but there's still a part of my brain is going, this ain't right, Kev. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be poorly? Are we going to give it to mom? We're going to give it to Lee. We're going to give it to calories. We're going to. Yeah. And because you're a caring person, it affects you because you're thinking, I don't want to affect other people's lives. Yeah. And, and in some ways, We've almost been taught how to be more selfish yeah. over the last few years, and that's a shame in itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I'm all one for looking after yourself, which is self care rather than selfish. But yeah, this is this has brought a different selfish to it, and also looking at other people. Well, are we supposed to be doing this? Should we be doing this? Is it right to be doing this? And I think with mental health post lockdown, we're on the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah you know we're only touching the top of what's going to come out of the you know the end of lockdown and whatever because we've still got some restrictions and still being a bit cautious and whatever so i still think there's a lot more to come out about over the next few months and years of the mental health issues from the last two years have you had many people from like the front line coming to see you or families of the front line like your nurses your doctors your... a few nurses a few nurses come um they've had a torrid two years mm. um like in the beginning um some even were living in hotels weren't yeah. they away from their families because of um not knowing what they were bringing back and stuff one of my boxers um, had to had to go and say the wellington down the road yeah. because his family was on the vulnerable list yeah and it's it's very difficult yeah and i mean they've just kept going and kept going and kept going and they're absolutely exhausted to be fair and i think we're gonna see a massive rise of PTSD with that thing, and then, yeah, then I, I fear once again for the youngsters who are kind of agoraphobic, going to be germophobic, and we see it so often. Like when I have one of my special needs schools, and the children, teenagers, are wearing the masks because they've been told they've got to wear it, and now it's well, what has changed? Has coronavirus gone? No, then should I wear it? Shouldn't I wear it? And in the shops, you still see a lot of people wearing them. It, 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 as you say, it, it's this thing called Corona. It's got so many different tentacles. Yeah. 
and it, it's going to reach places we never thought it was going to get. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is having a massive impact on people's mental health. As you say, what are the rules today? What can I do? What can't I do? Who can I see? Who can't I see? Do I should I still wear a mask? Can I go, can I go to somewhere where there's going to be hundreds of people? Is it safe for me to do that? Mm. Is it safe to travel? What's it like abroad? And you know, all questions we didn't have beforehand. It it has a massive impact on us. And as you say, trying to teach children this is what we do now or this has changed it's, it's very very difficult for them to they're very adaptable but mm. they're very difficult for them to understand all this mm. yes they can adapt to it but the actual understanding why they're doing these things is very difficult for young people what kind of advice would you get is there any like when you're feeling this anxiety let's say we're going to a nightclub or going yeah. for flight is there a good little exercise people can do to deal with that anxiety that uh, yeah yeah, there's a thing. The thing to do is right. If if things are starting to, my head's spinning and um, starting with a thought. Uh, I'm going to a nightclub. Okay, what does that mean for me? Will this happen? Will that happen? What I always think of it is, it's a seed. That questions your seed. I'm going to a nightclub. What's going to happen? Okay, and after that we go. Well, this might happen. That might happen. The other might happen. And what you end up doing is watering the seed, mm. and the seed grows into a massive weed. We don't need that massive weed. The weed was in the garden, we'd throw it in the bin. Mm. So what we've got to do is learn to stop it at the seed level. So it's a case of guys, stop. What's making me think like this at the moment? What's an alternative view for what I am thinking? And the best question to ask is, if a friend was asking me this, what would I say to a friend? Because mm. we can always give advice to everybody else, but we're never so good at giving it to ourselves or actually taking it on board. So it's trying to think, right, my seed is the que is the is the initial thought. Please don't water it anymore because we don't need the weed. And ask yourself, when I've got this seed, if my friend was saying this, what would I be saying to my friend? Because I think, as you say, you get in that rabbit hole, don't you? And how bad if I can't get a parking space? And how bad if the toilet's blocked? And how bad if someone's built it? And you're thinking... Yeah, and you think of that yeah. as a dribble of water for every one of those questions, feeding mm. the weed, and the weed just grows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's before you know it, your, your head, you've lost the initial question. Because you've asked and put so many layers on t on top of it that actually, can I even remember where I started? Mm. And even, most of the things that we do in that scenario are um, what if, what this, what that, what the other. Things that are going around in our head, of which I'm going to say 99% don't happen, but mm. we believe they could happen. But when we actually get there, oh, it's A-OK. -okay. But the stress that that puts us under is immense. And if you think about your head as an exercise bike, mm. when you're doing the what if thing, your head's trying to stay on the exercise bike all the time. Well, your head can't do that. You can't keep doing that to your head. It just goes round and round and round and it won't get anywhere. And it has, it's been exhausted, hasn't it? Mm. And I think yeah. like, and I feel like when you go on holiday once again, you go, you know when I'll get back? Oh, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. I'm going to take everything in my stride. and Because you, you're in a happy place then. Mm. But by the time you've got off the aeroplane, you got back on the motorway, you've already cushioned at the other drivers. So we've <laughs> got to remind ourselves of, does this matter? Mm. Does his or her opinion matter? Mm. Of, you know, and I think that's what we've got to do, be kinder to ourselves. And it's such a cliche, isn't it? Mm. But we've got to spend more time and accepting what I can change, what I can't change, and knowing yeah. the difference. Stop trying to control the uncontrollables because we can't control the uncontrollables. And it's about self-care. I'm a great advocate of self-care. Putting yourself at the front of the queue. 
in a self-care way, not a selfish way. But if you put yourself at the front of the queue in the self-care way and take so, take care of yourself, you're able then to care for the people around you as well much easier because you're actually you're the best version of you. You've looked after yourself. And if I'm looking after me, it's enable me to look after everybody else. And have you got any tips for that self-care? Self-care. Back to exercise, I'm going to say again. Two, two or three times a week, do something that you want to do. Mm. Do something that's right for you. Put yourself, don't try and please other people. There's lots of people out there that try and, one people pleaser. If I do this, this other person will like me. No, the other person will like you for the things that you do, for the person you are, not the things you do for them. So don't try and please other people. It's okay to give yourself permission to please yourself. So your self-care is your healthy eating, healthy drinking, exercise. Do something that you that you really enjoy doing. And try and do that three times a week if you can, because it will just mean that's looking after me. Yeah, and try, trying to, as I say, control the uncontrollables. And when you say like three times a week, it's not all, is it? No. It's nothing. And that, that hasn't got to be you've got to go. It could be, what, and we were saying this, it can be doing your gardening. Yeah. It could be going running, coming up the boxing gym. It could be reading a book. Go for a walk around the block. Yeah. Having a long bath and listening yeah. to music. Yeah. Whatever it is. Go and sit in the garden with a book, listen to the tree, to the birds in the trees. Yeah, it doesn't have to be anything, just something that you enjoy. And, you, and at that moment in time, don't have your phone on, don't mm. have tech on. Do just something for you that you really, really enjoy. Because tech has become the new drug, hasn't it? Mm. And you see you know, how many likes, how many views. How many, and I, I get soaked up in it as well because they're doing this and... You sat there, and back in the day, we used to channel surf. Now, you're watching something, and then you're looking at videos, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Your favourite song comes on. Oh, yeah, I've listened to it, scrolling, scrolling. And then, you have to, you know, you're thinking, I mean, my wife will do it. I go, you're not even blooming watching this. You know what I mean? We, we put this programme on, and you're thinking, not only we're not talking to each other, we're watching a TV, two phones, <laughs> and then yeah. you're thinking, they're just soaking up, let's just be with each other. Yeah. Put it, put it, put it away and, you know, go out and, as you say, do some gardening, just go for a walk, just switch the telly off mm -hmm. and just sit there in silence or, you know. I think people find that hard to be bored though, don't they? Mm. Yeah. Because you've got that much that you can do just, just on this little yeah. thing on your phone, you don't really know what it's like to stop and just be bored and do nothing. Mm. You know, I it's... challenge my clients to do that. When, when, when we've got this, my head is full of stuff. I actually challenge my clients to sit for a minute Mm. No phones, no nothing, just sit quietly, both feet on the floor, all grounded to the floor, and just see where this goes. What does this start to tell you? And then please write it down when it starts to go on its little journey. And it's amazing what little stories your head will do when you just sit quietly. But once you start to learn to do that and to get rid of what's going around in here, it's amazing. So I struggle to do that. I struggle to stop even... If we get to the beach, I have to take a book to read a book. I can't just. But that's sit okay because that's Yeah, fine. it is. It's, it's yeah. yeah. But yeah, we're not we're not used to just sitting. Mm. It is there, there's your challenge then, Lee, <laughs> in, in your busy schedule. If you can find just just a minute or two minutes, it's it's amazing. It is amazing. But it's about clients quite often keep themselves busy so they don't have to focus on what's going on in the head. So if I can actually get them to stop and sit we can actually start to deal with the stuff that's going on in the head. Because there's a lot of people out there keep themselves busy just to stop thinking about what's going on in their head.
I love that when I go away there, me and my wife and my daughter, no technology. And uh, I love people watching. Oh, yeah. And he just sat there and hear what people are saying as they're walking past you. Yeah. And it, it's funny, isn't it? But like, I heard that as a, as a parent. Someone told me when the two best lessons you could teach a child is no. You know, no, you can't just have it. Yeah. But I want it. But no, you can't have it. Mm. And and how to be bored. Mm. Like we're on a journey. And having a tablet. And I'm bored, Daddy. Look out the window. Can't have a lamppost. Can't, you know, we'll have a sing. We'll do it. And it's having that ability to entertain myself. Mm. I spy. I spy, yeah. Or, and it, it, but just whatever it is, having a sing beat, it's creating distraction by using your imagination. Mm. And when me and my daughter tell stories, and there's a dragon, what colour was he? And what was his name? Yeah. And then when he, and it's uh, and it's great because you're getting their mind working in that in that way. Yeah, we don't need that now because we just go to the phone yeah. and look at the phone and it's all there for us. I've got a question actually off uh, oh, Steve's. Okay. I'll just bring it up on the scene. How are you doing, Steve? I've been your Steve. Um, so problem I come across is when I do decide to do stuff for me, it is that fear. Sorry, for me, it is that I feel very guilty and that I put others out or become a hassle to them, anything I can do to get past that guilty feeling. Ooh, feeling guilty about doing things for yourself? Yeah. That's okay. To, it's about you learning to give yourself permission to do it. You've actually got to be the one that says, yes, I actually give myself permission to do this for the next 10 minutes or 20 minutes. That's looking for approval from somebody else to say, it's okay for you to do this. It's learning to be an adult. And for you to say to yourself, it's okay to do this. We had a lady come on the um, on the podcast uh, on the radio. Funny enough, and she was saying, "It's like um, uh, like when you say to your child, oh, daddy's ever so proud of you.' Oh, mum's ever so proud. You're having you're getting validated by someone else. And now I say, is are you proud of yourself? Mm. And but, but self validation. Uh, but until she eventually, so you know, with my child, and oh, I'm so proud of you. You know, you, you've yeah. made me so. And she said, but she's always going to have to have validation off a man, off a father, off a... So re reframe it. I thought, blooming heck, how brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that is, a, that is a massive thing I deal with in the counselling room a lot. People not knowing how to give self-validation because they sometimes see it as being selfish or, oh, oh, look at me, aren't I good? No, it's not. It's just about appreciating the person that you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and I am good at doing these things. We don't need... We don't need another person, particularly when we get to adulthood, for them to tell us that we can do something or how to do something or how well we've done it. It's like you come home from work and your partner says, how's your day been? Hmm. One thing's gone wrong, ten things have gone well. What hmm. do we say as we walk through the door? Oh, it's been really bad, this happened today. <laughs> yeah? We never walk through the door and tell our partner the ten things that have gone well. Hmm. So it's a case of get to the end of the day, have a look at your day, What's, what's gone well today? What have I done well today? What have I done well today? It's about focusing on that. I've done well today. And it's realising, hey, do you know what? I can focus on that. It's okay for me to give me a pat on the back and say, well done. And well done to me. It, yes, you've got to self, you've got to validate children because that's how they learn how to validate mm. if you validate. But it's also, as you say, it's about saying to them, are you proud of yourself? Do you think you did well? Yeah. It's funny, you know, when we started teaching in the schools 20 odd years ago, you give a kid a certificate and go, don't give me now, can you give me an assembly? I want everyone to know I'm a boxer and I've done really well. Yeah. Nowadays, you can't, you got to put them in my bag. Yeah. They don't want to admit they're good at something. They'd rather yeah. tell everyone they'd spent a night in the cells 
than they have done something well. Down the boxing gym. Yeah, and I'm thinking, hey, mad. Mm. We've lost that identity of, um, I've done something good here, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of myself. I'm, I'm not necessarily going to be a world champion, but I've got a lot better, you know, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I, I, I'm losing a bit of weight. Yeah, but we all do things for different reasons, don't we? We're not all going to be Anthony Joshua. No. If somebody goes to a boxing gym. Although I do get missed up. Um, oh, everyone, think, everyone thinks I'm age. Yeah, I love, you know okay. what I'm mentioning about. Can we see body double? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not all, if, we, if we look at the boxing thing, we're not all going to be him, are we? No. But when we go one week and we can do a minute in the ring or whatever, yeah. but the next the next few months I get up to two minutes yeah. or I can do 50 press-ups now where I could only do two to start with. Yeah. We all have our own goals, so all set at our own level. You know, we can't all be top of the pile. We just have to be the best version of ourselves today. Mm. And it's just trying to be, have I done the best I can today? Well, yeah. We always can do better. We know that. But things happen in life and things are going on for us at the time. We're tired. We're hungry, whatever. Things are busy. long as I've done my best today, I can't do any more. And that's what I try and get to the box. I said, sometimes we're going to win. Sometimes we're going to lose. Sometimes we can't change the verdict of the judges, but we can have an influence on our performance. Yeah. And as long as we perform to the best of our abilities, then you're a winner. Yeah. yeah. And what we what we all forget as adults is our kids go and do exams at school and whatever, and they go out the door and they go, bye, mum, see you later. And what's the thing you say to them? Just do your best. Yeah. And then, but we're then telling ourselves we've got to be perfect or we've got to try harder or whatever. No, just do exactly the same as you would tell the kids. Just do your best. Mm. Enjoy be the best version of you. Yeah. You can't be anything other. Because you're then trying to be something you can't be. And for instance, trying to be perfect. Nobody can be perfect. It's not possible. But the pressure you apply to yourself by trying to be perfect is ridiculous. And I think that self-dialogue is so important. I've got to go for a run. I've got to lose weight. I've got to stop drinking. I've got to stop smoking. You go... Oh, pressure, pressure, pressure. Well, it reminds you of that, that teacher or something. Mm-hmm. You've got to do so. Oh, I ain't doing that. Yeah. But if you go, well, if I lose a bit of weight, I'll feel better. And if I pack in the fags, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to have more money. And yeah. and it's how we taught ourselves in a kind of dialogue, isn't it? Yeah. Just, it's putting it across in a nicer way. You wouldn't say the things to a friend that mm. you say to yourself. Mm. I know that. You're yeah. very, as you say, you've got to lose weight, got to do this, got to do that. You wouldn't go to a friend and do that. You wouldn't have many friends, would you? Well, no, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but no. But you wouldn't say that to a friend, would you? Mm. As you say, you'd put it over in a nicer way, haven't you? You know, I, 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 losing a little bit of weight might help or whatever. Mm. You know, but it's, so it's about being kind to yourself as well. Treat yourself like you would treat your friends because you, would, you wouldn't treat your friends the way you treat yourself a lot of the time. My mate once said something similar. He said, treat yourself like your pet. I went, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, when silly, your cat. He goes, when she's poorly, you take her to the vet. I went, yeah, of course I do. And he goes, when she's hungry, you feed her. And when she wants a bit of fuss, you give her a bit of fuss. I went, yeah, obviously that's what you do. And he goes, but when you're poorly, you go to the doctors. When, you've, when you're when you hungry, I go, well, you know, I'm at the gym, I can't have time to eat. Mm. He goes, but never mind your daughter. Treat yourself like your pet. Mm. And I thought, blow my neck, that's so right, isn't it? It's like your mental and physical health. I put a post on LinkedIn the other day. And it said about if you got toothache, mm. would you ignore it? Mm. No, you go to the dentist, wouldn't you, and sort it. So why, if you've got anxiety or depression or any other type of mental health, why do you not go and ask for some help or support with it? 
because you, if you got raging toothache, you'd certainly go and get that sorted, wouldn't you? Hundred percent. And what would you say the difference? What are key things to look out for? Because like depression and anxiety, they get thrown around so much now. It's become like the new migraine, hasn't it? Yeah. And it is. I feel sad. Yeah. You know, I've, I feel. I've had a bit. Of, I don't know why, but I'm. I'm, I'm a bit sad today. Or uh, I've got a GCSE, or I've got a. I'm a bit nervous. I'm going to a boxing ring. I should be nervous. He's trying to knock me head off. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Get out of the way, quick. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's true. So I'm sitting on the settee. We're all in there. And I have one of them turns. Yeah. That's the anxiety coming in, isn't it? Or depressed. Yeah. I've been in a funk. I don't know what. And I sometimes getting off the settee is like climbing up Mount Everest. Mm. How would you... What I'm trying to say is, uh, what's the difference? What's or, the difference? or what should you... Worry is normal. Worry is normal, yes. Worry is normal. And being worried about, as you say, getting in the boxing ring, doing your exams, that's, that's normal. Yeah. It's when it takes over all the time. Mm-hmm. If if today I know I've got an, exa- got an exam tomorrow, I might be a bit worried tonight. That's okay. can manage that. If I've done my revision, yeah. Check out all the things that I can have done. Got my revision, got my bag packed ready for the morning, all those type of things. That's okay. But if that worry after the exam continues into something else that's when it's starting to become anxiety when you're struggling to actually function on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and your go-to thought is this worry or this anxiety about a certain thing and with depression it's i can't get out of bed mm-hmm. i can't actually function because we can all drag ourselves out of bed feeling tired feeling mm-hmm. down but we actually do manage to get out of bed and we do actually get going but when it turns into depression it's really i'm not finding any enjoyment in anything mm. i'm really i feel like i've got lead weights tied to my legs and my arms and i really really can't get out of bed that's when it's got to the depression stage other than that just normal worry and stuff or just normal feeling sad we all have that mm. but we've lost the ability to normalize that and to think that we all do have that at some stage that's a great example yeah, again, I think social media plays a part in that because we only see the happy, don't we? It's you yeah. know, it's rare the big account you see in this. Well, actually, this this person just gets sad. It's not all beaches and happiness and that. No, actually, they have days where they're not feeling great, and there, there might not be any reason behind those days. But mm. you do have those days. Mm. You know what? Today, I'm just, just, just feeling a bit not low. Myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not myself, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's that's normal, mm. and as, and to worry about things, that's normal. And if because if you worry about things, you care about things. Mm. As you say, getting the boxing ring, I'm, is it is it going to hit me? Am I going to survive mm. or whatever? If you weren't worried about stuff like that, you, you know, it's I want to win. It's it's part of having having a go and doing my best, isn't it? Mm. You know, and that's normal. But it's when it that worry just is there constantly, twenty four hours a day. And I think that you know, just by saying it, twenty four hour people, no one's happy twenty four hours. That old saying, oh. I've got out the bed. I don't know what's going on. I've got out the wrong side of the bed today. Yeah. And, you know, you stump your toe, you get a bit of shampoo in your eye, and it's, it's, you catch your pocket on the door handle. Yeah. And every, every, <laughs> but that, that's just life. life. Yeah. I mean, but by talking about it with OCD, or I like doing washing up, OCD is vile. Steve Hansley was just written. He come on and talked so brilliant about OCD, didn't he? Yeah, he explained it fantastically to. to people well both of us we thought well oh he just likes to go around cleaning and it has nothing to do with that at all does it it's to do with he was explaining if i don't basically if i don't switch that light on and off three times 
his thought train goes to my mom's gonna die yeah and his mom doesn't live with him it's nothing connected there no. but it's it's as mad as and I, as far yeah. away as i don't know mad's not the right word but it's as extreme yeah extreme as that and um yeah it was a real eye-opener yeah. speaking to him if i don't do this this is going to happen yeah that's and, it, it. and it's associate how you associate those two things as well the house is set on fire yeah. then where my cap's going to go and, it, and it, it, it but it's that and i think that that's the whole rabbit hole isn't it if this happened this happened this happened and before you know it we've catastrophized the worst mm. everything but yeah. to you when you're in that race when you're in that fight it is so real yeah and every action has a reaction. Yeah. But that's what I've really enjoyed this journey. We've been on for last almost three to four years now of, of talking about it. And we always say the best friend of any mental illness is loneliness. Yeah. And when you're on your own and you think, is this just me? Am I am I am I mad? Mm-hmm. Am I to feel and go, no. Yeah, it, there's lots of other people out there feeling the same. But when it's happening to mm-hmm. you, it becomes all consuming. But that one person that says to you, you're not mad. I've heard mm. this before. I know mm. other people that are suffering with it, and they sort of go, "Really? Mm. Well, yeah, it's normal." And it can happen to anybody at any stage as well. It doesn't. Mental health doesn't pick and choose who it affects. It can affect anybody. And it ain't fair. No. And anyone who's ever told you life is fair is a liar, because the healthiest people in the world can have cancer. They can get hit by a car, and life yeah. isn't fair. It has no rhyme nor reason. It is what it is, yeah. but there is help out there, isn't there? Yeah, there's lots of help out there. It's just finding the help. And the first bit of help you get might not be what suits you. Mm. I have I have clients who come and see me and they go, you're not quite right for me, and that's absolutely fine. But, I'll, yeah. you know, I'll try and support them until they find the person that is right for them. You, you're not going to get on with everybody all of the time, you know. And I, and I have clients who I see for a long time. Some clients I only see for a handful of sessions mm. some i see for a few sessions they disappear for 18 months and then they'll come back for another couple of sessions so counseling will work for the person how it you know the best it works for them whether it's long term short term or whatever they want and that's the same with anything it's every face i've seen in this boxing do they come yeah some people you have for life yeah other people you know what I, i'm gonna go and try somewhere else yeah fair play yeah and then they'll come back again yeah so yeah. if anyone's out there and they would like to come and see you personally, where can I find you? Me, I'm based in Norton, uh, in Stourbridge, and I'm on LinkedIn if you want to find me on LinkedIn. And my website is lifebalancecounselling.net. Um, uh, so LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I'm on all of those if anybody wants to find me. And I offer face-to-face or online sessions. So if people don't want to come in person, I can do it over the zoom or telephone as well well thank you ever so much for coming on is there anything you'd like to say before no, we go same thank you very much for coming on it's really informative i've enjoyed the, enjoyed the 40 minutes yeah. on, six minutes thank you for the opportunity and let's give us ask everyone have you got any quotes or sayings that's helped you get through life oh yes be be the best version of you today because in that respect there's no pressure to put on yourself you're just going to be true to yourself which is the main thing and just be the best version of you every day. Well, guys, I hope you've all enjoyed that. Until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tararabit. Thanks a lot. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. 
There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen.